Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays, and I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture. Todd, why should they listen? Well, I mean, a lot of people, they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show, it's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical, Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, I try to counteract that with some of my good vibes. <laughs> um... I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me. It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, we've had the good times never end. Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm here in my studio. Now, normally I would be checking in with producer Tony Thaxton to see how he's doing, but once more, he has abandoned me to play drums with his stupid rock band, Motion City Soundtrack. Whether he's plugging the podcast from the stage, I don't know. He claims he is, and he claims that it is getting in the way of the set and that the band is getting upset. I think that this is all made up, and I don't think he really is mentioning the podcast from the stage. If anyone has gone to any of the shows, could you please confirm whether this is happening or not? But that's okay. We don't need him. Um, I'm very excited to welcome back to the show someone who I've stayed in communication with a bit online and on email and stuff. And she was like incredibly kind and blurbed my book years ago. Um, but this is the first time I've had her back on the show in we just figured out like, I thought it was 10 years. It is nine years. It's almost the same. Please put your hands together for New York Times bestselling author. She's the author of I like you just the way that I am. Live fast, die hot. Those are uh, books of essays. And then her brand new book is a book of fiction. It's a satire. Very, well, we'll get into. I, I enjoyed it immensely. We'll get into it. It's called City of Likes. Please put your hands together for Jenny Mullen. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. We were just doing the math, trying to figure out like when we actually were last physically together. And it was years I thought and years it was, ago. I thought it was 2016. You look the exact same. Oh. I thought it was 2016, but it was actually 2013. I mean, who even was I? I don't even want to hear that interview. I'm scared. Okay. Well, the funny thing is I was scared <laughs> to go back to. I was like, right? yeah, I, I have this. Do you have this as well? I have this huge aversion to going back and listening to old stuff because I don't even know what it is I don't want to face, but I just don't, don't want to. You no, know you what go. it is? What? Well, listen, Busy Phillips, I went to high school with her. She just posted something that was in our yearbook. Of course, I don't, I didn't hold on to my yearbook. That would, that's, I'm just, that would be something crazy that I would never do. Um, I'm a Gemini and <laughs> who knows where anything really even is now. Uh, but it was in, she posted a picture of a quote that I had in the yearbook that was like, resist, don't, never resist, you know, just go forward into the night. Like some, ridiculous bullshit and then at the end it was like jenny mullen thespian oh <laughs> i was like oh, ew wow. <laughs> that's why i don't want to go back i mean that encapsulated why I, I don't have the yearbook one was the best move ever to never look back right right it's like you don't want to be confronted <laughs> with uh who you were no. trying to be well, yes. I, here's the thing, though. I this is for me, at least, because that's how I was feeling. I was like, I just I don't I don't want to. But then I went back and I was like, oh, my God, this episode is really good. If I may pat both of us on the back. It was really Ooh. good. It was really entertaining. I felt like we were both very there was a lot of like 
it was very vulnerable and revelatory. And I worry that I might have peaked 10 years ago because I'm saying roughly the same shit, just probably in a less articulate manner. Um, oh so <laughs> for me, I feel like 10 years ago, I was kind, even though my life circumstances have changed a lot, I was basically the yes. same person. However, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, someone from my past that I went to grade school with was going through old boxes and they found a letter that I she found a letter that I sent her when I was like 13 or 14. It was this four page letter written in like lavender ballpoint pen. And she's like, I thought you might want to see this. And that was so painful to see who I was trying to pretend to be when I was 13 or 14. That was like your oh yearbook my quote God. times a million. Yes. It Isn't was it just crazy. Four pages of lies. It was just all oh, exaggerated lies about how cool I was. And, oh my God. Oh, it's, it's it, it brings me pain. But I think that 10 years ago, so you'd funny. be fine with who you were. Oh, I hope so. Man, I don't know. I, yeah, I, but having a kid definitely breaks you, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like it changes you, humbles you. Yes. I feel like I am definitely different than the girl I was in 2013. Right. Well, so we've both had two children since then. Yes. Two boys. Yes. Two boys. I know. Yeah, so you know. I know. Um. Yeah, mine are five and three now. How old are yours? I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. Okay. How do you feel yeah. about that age difference? Because when I... I love it. I kind of... I mean, I uh, mine are great and perfect. That being said, sometimes I wish I had more space between them because yes. I, I, for some reason, I thought two years, oh, that's like a perfect number. That's like a perfect age difference. However, they're kind of at each other's... Not at each other's throats, but... um they don't get along just as much as they get along right now, at least. Yes. I think it's the age, the ages that you're at though, mm -hmm. because my kids also want to kill each other. Okay. Um, when the old, when the younger one got to be, I would say like three or four. Yeah. It, before he wasn't a threat. He was just, well, I mean, Sid always wanted to be, you know, he tells me he's the main character of our family. And when I look at Laszlo, even when he was a baby, Sid would look at me. I was in a cab. I glanced over at the bassinet and Sid goes, don't look at him. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, like I can't even look at him. But, but now when he became a person and started like articulating his feelings right around like three or four, that's when it was, it was on between them and they really started to fight. So I don't know that like more space helps that, but the thing it does help is as a mom, you're able to sort of appreciate the age that your younger one is at in a way that I feel like my mom never did. She was having my sister's teeth pulled so that she could have us in braces at the same time. Oh my We're God. 16 months apart. Oh wow. So it's kind of just like having twins. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I like the, dis the, this, this gap because I almost like forget what Sid was like at that age. And then I get to have, La I have the experience again with Laszlo. So mm -hmm. that's been fun. Yes. That's another reason I kind of wish I put more space between them is because I feel like they're going to be out of the house in like a snap. It's going to oh happen God. so Isn't fast. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, it's that, true. And we're, I, I, we're not having any more, but I do almost wish I could have one more just because I feel like on the third go round that time I really would be able to be present in a way that I wasn't. And I don't know if that's true. Yes. But, yes. So I feel like <clears throat> being present, the pull of social media, because I have a real phone addiction, um, all of that stuff is something I think about it a lot as a mom, how, you know, how to be present with my kids, how toxic is social media. And I know that that's something you think about a lot. And mm -hmm. I know that that factored into the book. Um, can you talk a bit about like where you have landed with all that? Because all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, you're not really on Twitter the way you used to be. No. Oh, yeah. I kind of stopped tweeting when Donald Trump became president. That was the end for me. I was like, this is not... This is no longer the platform that it used to be. I cannot be funny here anymore. Um, uh, it, was, it felt dangerous, to be mm. honest. I was like, it's like dangerous to put things out there. And I didn't feel that way before. It used to be fun. And also, I mean, I guess I didn't have kids and I had nothing to lose, so I could say whatever I wanted. But um, the world changed. And so I really stopped tweeting. And um, Instagram at that same time became like a real revenue stream for me. And I, and, and it sort of launched me into this whole different kind of, 
you know, on this other trajectory, which was influencing and being a voice of like, you know, mommyhood somehow mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever messy mommyhood. <laughs> um, and so I got into, I went kind of down that path and, um, yeah, it, it's, and I live to tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was, well, wait, I do want to, okay, I got to make a note to myself. Well, actually, I'll just throw out my question and then, and I don't mean throw out like in the garbage. I mean, I'll say what it is, but then we'll come around to it. So okay. your book deals with like a momfluencer. And yes. I was wondering, who is that supposed to be? Is, are you, is that, you but like that's not really you so so that's kind of my question is you know are there parts of you and a lot of different characters who inspired the different characters etc so so put a pin in that one because let's go back to twitter for a second when you say that it felt dangerous had you uh do you mean like dangerous to you personally and your family or do you mean dangerous to your career both i think it was scary to be funny it and it felt like you know I watched friends of mine. I mean, people that you know, too, that were part of that crew that we all, I mean, you were on Twitter at the same time as me. And we, I mean, we kind of like had, there was a community of us and I watched people in my, in that community get torn down, lose deals mm-hmm. at major studios, all because of like stupid fucking tweets they made. It, it was, it was absolutely uh, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then, and there, so there was that. And then there was this, he was the cancel culture, the beginning of cancel culture. And, but then it was also the fact that like, I was scared to speak. I felt like I was living in like a police state and I couldn't speak out against the government without getting death threats and like hate. And it, I mean, it just did not feel as, as a, as a mom with like a young baby, I, who lives in a city where I walk everywhere and I'm, you know, confronted by people day and night, I did not feel it was safe to be uh, tweeting at that time. Yeah. I'm still on Twitter. Although yeah. <clears throat> the engagement I feel like has really gone down. And I'm like, because wh- Twitter uh-huh. is still the platform where I have the most followers, but the least engagement. So I don't know what's going on there. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. It makes me wonder, like, have I been is is shadow banning a thing? And has that happened? I think I hear that. No, it's a probably lot of people. people like me who follow you who just never go on. Maybe. So you think they're not answering, but but really it's just like they're probably just like, you know, they have right. the app, of course, still, but they're just not on there. I think it's yeah, because I hear it from a lot of people. And plus it's I also like what happened I, with Facebook. I think too, there's just like so many it's happening so fast that it's like no one is really consuming their whole feed. What's well, kind of your, yeah, the point you're making too. too. But anyway, yes. I, with Twitter, oftentimes I think like best case scenario, a lot of people retweet your tweet and like your tweet. Worst case scenario, you lose your job. <laughs> like what? Yes. What is, what is the point of this? Job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you're blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, so you, and you went back and, and deleted your old tweets and things, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, my husband w- had a, a bunch of stuff happen around Twitter. Oh, and, right. and it was just crazy. It was I crazy and that. absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and like, if you know Jason at all, I mean, he was, he's, it, it's so crazy how like the, the far right, like tried to just come at him and, and like turn him into some sort of like chauvinist asshole. And if you know anything about him, you know that he's like such a girl sandwiched between like two sisters. Like he, I'm in a lesbian relationship and they're like telling me that my husband is some sort of like, you know, I completely forgot chauvinistic about that. dick. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And and that these innocuous tweets, I mean, he was fired from a job. I mean, it it's was insane. So for me, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done with Twitter. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah. That must have been really stressful. It was scary. It was scary. Yeah. It was scary, but it was also like so ridiculous. And you could tell that it was just, I mean, also like look at James Gunn. I mean, so many people that we love were just getting like ripped apart for all. They were just trying to be funny. And maybe, look, maybe you don't think it's funny. Maybe you do. Who knows? But at the time, if you remember on Twitter, the more outrageous you could be, Mm -hmm. the, the more like, you were like 
propelled forward. It was like, it was all about shock value. It was very like Howard Stern, just like say whatever the fuck you want. And I did it too. And I mean, I, I would, I cringe thinking about some of the tweets I made now, like when they come to my mind, certain things, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I put that into the world. I said that like in today's society, it'd be canceled instantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that was what Twitter was for us then. We were just trying to be outrageous. Right. Because we just wanted, it's like, you know, you just wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, yeah, then it took a took a sharp turn and that, that became a medium that I didn't want to be involved with. Right. Even though I think I was funnier when I was on Twitter because I thought in tweets. I started to think in, uh, what is it? How many characters or less? I mean, that was like. I, 140 out, then. Now it's 280. 140. Oh, weird. See, I don't know if I could do the new format. But yeah, it would throw me. Uh, you know, I would, I'd be like at a dinner party and be like, that's a tweet. That's a tweet. You know, so yeah. I miss that, but that's about it. So then on Instagram, that started turning into a revenue stream. And, and uh-huh. some, you know, your book explores the, the, the novel explores that a bit. But yes, am I understanding correctly that like you, we're getting deals for promoting items and things like that as yes. like a, a mommy influencer, a mm-hmm. mom. Influencer. Yes. Uh-huh. That's cool. How did that come about? It just sort of happened. I feel like I had a second child and next thing I knew I was like on the cover of parents magazine and talking about, you know, writing my like shtick about, you know, my approach to parenting and, and then next thing you know, it was like brands were approaching me asking if I would sell maxi pads for them and dog food and hairbrushes and you know, like anything you can think of. Um, and then, you know, what happens f- from there is that your house ends up getting taken over with boxes of people just sending you shit that they cross their fingers and hope that you post. Um, and yeah, like eventually you become a slave to it. <laughs> yeah. So then, oh God, I have so many, I have so many questions both about the, what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something that's not very professional journalisty uh, or interview interviewery, but just because I know we kind of have limited time, I'm just going to throw out like the things that I'm curious about and you can pick yeah. up, you can pick up whatever, uh, whatever direction you want to go. This, these are the things that I, I'm curious about. I'm curious about how the book got made and what made you want to do fiction and what that was like. Um, uh-huh. I'm curious about um, how you feel about external validation because I know that that's something that's in the book. And I myself have wondered, like, what is a healthy relationship with external validation? Like, what really is the role that that is supposed to play? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also, I am, like I said, I'm wondering the actual story and the characters in the book, you know, where do you fit in with that? How much is that based on, you know, things in your life, stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I wanted to write the book because I knew... I knew I was going to do a, th- a third book and I thought at the t- at first, oh, I'm going to write a memoir, a mommy memoir. And I, to be honest, I, you know, I was writing for Parents Magazine monthly at the time and I was bored with the mommy stuff. I, I was like, you know what? This just doesn't feel right to me right now. And I also had to be careful because my eldest had become more of a person and I didn't want to just like exploit his childhood for comedy, even though. I have anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't show his face and like, there are lines that like I won't cross, but yeah, like, I mean, I am a writer and not, I'm not fully like a Nora Ephron, everything is copy believer, but, uh, yeah, I definitely am guilty of that, but I didn't, I didn't want to write an, a, a memoir at that mm-hmm. time. And a friend of mine said, why don't you write about what's actually going on with you? Which was like, I came to New York in a different position that I, than I, uh, came to LA in LA. It was like, I was a theater major at UCLA, just like hustling to like get a guest star. You know, I thought the biggest thing in the world would be to be on a billboard and be able to tell people I was in a pilot. Uh, and then I moved to New York and I was just in a different place in life and in my career. And I came to New York with this following of 
female viewers between the ages of 18 to 35 with a little bit of buying power. And that, and for that reason, doors open for me. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to these like underground mommy supper clubs and like (laughs) weddings for dogs and, you know, fashion week, high profile, you know, sushi galas. I mean, just was a different world entirely. And, um, there aren't like as many celebrities in L- in New York. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing. So in LA, like nobody gave a shit. There were a billion other people to invite before me. But in New York, they're like, oh, Jason Biggs and his wife, they're kind of interesting. Like we were like, you know, we're not the richest people in the room by a landslide, but we were like the court jesters. And like, <laughs> so like they would have us. And, and I started like meeting all these people and they were all these interesting women who a lot of them are just like super fucking wealthy. Uh, but they, you know, they can't be lim- ladies who lunch. They mm-hmm. need to be ladies who launch because that's like the new thing. Like you have to ha- be a girl boss and a CEO of your own company and, you know, have a brick and mortar clothing store somewhere that like sells like, you know, dresses that look like they're for, you know, 13 year old girls at like <laughs> a beach bonfire. But like that <laughs> is kind of whatever the vibe was. And these people embraced me. So I was seeing behind the curtain and what I couldn't help but notice was that there was such a disparity between motherhood as it was being portrayed online and motherhood as I was seeing these women actually live it. Mm -hmm. And I would go home at night and I was just haunted by this question, which was if we're so busy curating motherhood online for other people, how present are you in your fucking life for your own kids? Yeah, Like when your kids are sitting at a table and you have a phone in your hand I guarantee you one day they're going to say who was in that fucking phone that was more important than the person sitting in front of you. And I'm so guilty of it. Like I'm writing this book because these are the things that I need to hear. Mm-hmm. I needed the smack in the face. Um, because I have, I there are moments chills. where I, I, I literally have like my, my hair is standing up on end right now. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be melodramatic. Like that's actually happening just because it's uh, I'm ex- cause this is something I worry about. Yes, it resonates, right? And I think that women like us, especially like millennial moms, children of baby boomer narcissist parents who crave validation and and need like to finally be acknowledged like yeah. we are like the perfect victim <laughs> for this like Pavlovic fucking thing totally. that we're like let's just refresh and I'm answering people who I don't even fucking know saying like, Oh, where did I get my shoes? Why do I feel the need to write them back? Yes. Why do I feel the need to like stop making dinner mm-hmm. to like give that answer to sort but something out with people that you don't even know? Don't even, care, yes. don't even know. Right. And yeah. And, and I got really sucked in and it became really truly like the other woman in my marriage and like the cigarette that I was hiding from my kids. And so that was why you know, whether or not people wanted, people didn't want this book from me. I couldn't sell it to save my life, but I had to write this book and I needed it to be in the world because I think it's just, it's, it's a message that like I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I believed so strongly that, uh, and I still do that other women need to hear it too. Um, you couldn't save it to sell your life at all. Oh my God. No, I went to, I I was probably passed in like six of the major publishing houses before the first time around I pulled the submission off the market. I was like, it's clearly not good enough. It's not there yet. So Mm. I took another year. I rewrote it. And part of me wonders now, like, was it not good enough or like, I don't think I've improved that much. I'm the same writer. I always was. I mean, this book sounds just like my first books or were people not ready to see it as a problem Were people not ready to look at themselves and go, Oh fuck, this really is an issue. We were still four years ago, you were still being lauded and, and, and like propped up for oversharing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was still like, cool. Like the more oversharing, the more you could give the, the bigger breakdown you could have online, the like bigger your film and TV deals became. So I don't know, but for whatever reason, it didn't sell. So I rewrote it. Um, and then I tried to sell it again. I took it out right at the end of the pandemic, right around the time the capital was being stormed. Mm -hmm. And then the feedback again, passed on, passed on by like 12 houses. What was the feedback? The feedback was, I don't know if in a post COVID world, a story about privileged women, white women in lower Manhattan doesn't read as tone deaf. 
And I thought to myself, like, you're so fucking wrong. But look at like, like Real Housewives. This is like real. Like this needed to be called fiction because it's my most honest book. And because mm. if I wrote this as a memoir, I would have been driven out of New York City. So this is what it is. And 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 like then it became for me almost like I needed to have that pretty woman moment of like walking back into the store on Rodeo Drive and being like, big mistake, huge. And so now I'm getting to live it right now as I do press for this book because I'm like, all of you guys can fucking suck it. I have this book. Now, like I've really sold my soul. I'm, I'm doing every single thing I can do to just like make sure it's in their faces everywhere they turn. But it, I know it's good. Like that's the best part. If it wasn't good, you know, what would it matter? But the right. book I, is like, finally what it was supposed to always be and i'm so proud of it so finally so so someone at some point bought it so what happened was i ended up uh i you know i went i had cha- i changed agents twice during this i mm. mean like it was really brutal and finally somebody said to me uh there's this guy brian folkweiss and he has an, a book imprint but he, all he's ever done is publish a book about toys, but that did really well. And he ended up getting a Netflix deal and blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, Ingram has given him a book imprint and would you want to take a meeting with him? And I was like, I know Brian, he produced the movie I met Jason on. I mean, I've known him for years. So yeah, let's, let me talk to him. And I sat down with him and he was he's just like, like a comedy guy, right? He's a comedy guy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And he's like, listen, like, I, I don't know. Maybe the book is for me. Maybe it isn't, but I believe in you and I'll do whatever you want to do. Like, if you want to do it, like, let's go on the ride. And so we did it. And what was so genius was that because I didn't go through a regular publisher, I didn't have to wait until it was like a bound manuscript to take it out and shop it to studios. So then I uh, was able to kind of like get a bidding war going because I sent it to Sony and, you know, said it there was sent some other places and ended up, uh, Get, get selling it as a you know getting a deal That's so awesome. that was so random as well um and probably wouldn't have happened had i gone with a more traditional publishing route but for me i was like i just want it ba- brian can you get it bound can it be hardcover and can you get it in bookshelves my ego can't handle you know an amazon book right <laughs> i right. need it to be real in my hands <laughs> and he's like that i can do so yeah so i mean it's been an interesting ride and here we are finally it's about to come out and i mean and dude diablo cody <laughs> is involved right yeah and diablo is going to be supervising and eping which is brilliant that's so cool that's yeah. great congratulations yes. and Thank to you. all the people who passed on it because blah 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 um fuck yeah. you yes exactly yeah. no it's so like it's so like jaws this time it's personal <laughs> Successfully, Jaws Um, Revenge. Want to take a quick break to tell you guys about Terracana. Everyone is talking about CBD these days. By now, most of you know that it's a great way to help with pain, inflammation, and sleep without the high associated with its cousin, THC. What you may not realize is that CBD and other hemp-based compounds also have amazing benefits for your skin. Terracana Cosmetics is a certified brands company that combines the amazing benefits of CBD and CBG with other cutting-edge ingredients like starfish extract to make some of the best skincare products on the market. Now, I know what you're thinking, starfish extract, but what about the starfish? Like what happens to them? Starfish extract is a natural alternative to retinol that reduces wrinkles and is much gentler on sensitive skin types. But the best part is it's sustainably harvested with zero harm to the starfish and zero THC. Terracana moisturizer and age-defying eye cream will leave your skin looking and feeling younger. Go to skin and use code Allison for $25 off your order. That's skin.com promo code Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, for $25 off your first order. Okay. What was the actual experience of writing fiction? Although what I'm hearing you say is that it's not really fiction. I mean, it's fiction in the sense that this is all, it's based on my real life. It's all my like own personal truth. But um, the story is contrived. I mean, it's not a real 
those two people aren't real. Daphne is a composite of many women. Um, the female relationship, the relationship is based on relationships that I've had with women, but, um, you know, in a different way, but I do attract narcissists and I do fall like under their spell and end up serving them. So (laughs) that's all real. Do you, um, this is a, this is a, uh, personal question that you don't have to answer. Um, but the main character, what do you identify as straight? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I ask because the main, because there's, uh, you know, it's come to my attention recently that I'm not sure that I'm using these terms correctly anymore. I was going to say there's a queer relationship in the book, but yes. I don't know that. Is that no, the right I feel like it is queer. And I'm always like, it's very gay. And by the way, like I wanted they in so many drafts, they did have sex like they did. And I didn't want to take it out. And I really struggled with that. Um, and I say like that I'm straight because I'm, you know, married to a man and in a straight relationship. But like, there are definitely, I have had relationships with women. And if I were in a relationship with a woman right now, I probably wouldn't be like, I'm straight guys. But, but like, I think, you know, I mean, I am living this life. So in the life that I'm in, but no, I've definitely had, um, relationships with women and and it was important for me to almost like not say if she was gay or straight like mm-hmm. and not even bring that up because it almost doesn't even matter i think that we all have like it's all such a gray area these days mm-hmm. it's not really like are you gay or are you straight i was raised straight i don't know like if i were raised now like would i have probably dated more girls in my high school than guys maybe <laughs> you know See? i maybe but, my- but it's just how we were raised us like uh, yeah. you know how we grew up. I know that's, that's what's occurring to me. Maybe my question is an indication of how much of a dinosaur I am. And I need to get that thinking out of here because now yes. you don't have to define it. I don't think so anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should just have Tony cut that out. Cause uh, I'm a young, <laughs> I'm a young hip person who doesn't need to apply labels to things. Hilarious. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. So, the external validation of it all. Cause mm-hmm. I really did like a while ago. I, cause I, part of this pandemic for me has been realizing how much external validation, uh, I crave and need. Uh-huh. And it really has been about my, this, this was like, I feel like this was like my, uh, journey like a year ago. Um, yes. But it, it involved my phone so much because I uh-huh. woke up and I was scrolling and then all of a sudden I was in a terrible mood and I didn't know why I was in a terrible mood. And I kind of I was like, it's, I'm, I've barely been awake today. Why am I already in a bad mood? And then I remember, yes. oh, it's because I looked at what Instagram. I saw. Yeah. yeah. And then I realized, you know, all these rapid assumptions I had made based on a picture I saw about my worth in the world and as a pot, I mean, just like insanity. And then I was just like, oh my God, this is, and then I sort of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I like thought myself out of it, which felt like a huge victory for me to be able to realize like none of all, none of that is true. But then I was like, I, if I let another life, I want to make a documentary or write an essay or something about what is, a healthy relationship with external validation. I, is yes. there even one? What do you think? I mean, I don't know because I definitely don't have it. I mean, I am so in awe of my husband who like, you know, came with me to the, to the view yesterday and he's like, you're going to do great. And maybe it's because he's famous. I don't know. Or like <laughs> he, he's like not threatened by me at all. But I was like, Jason, like you're so supportive of me. And like, I don't know if you had a book coming out right now and you were like going on all these talk shows and doing, I don't think I would be like able to be so you're great baby. And like need like, and not have it be a reflection of like my own inadequacy somehow. Like yeah. it would be fucking hard. That's why like when I first met him, I was like, I can't, I can't date him. Like he, he he's going to make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> um, and f- yeah, it was like a big issue in our re- relationship. Like until I started tweeting, to be honest and get it, mm-hmm. getting validation. Right. Uh, but no, I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like because, uh, there was, there was such a, for me, such, um, 
I don't know. I think there's just such a dearth of, I don't you know, whatever the childhood shit is. I mean, like recognition, attention. There's a hole there that I can't fill. Yes. I'm sure it's why I became an actor. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I'm still trying to learn that as well. Do you now, do you still act? I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know why I paused so long. I think because I I was, you don't. Okay. I try not to. I mean, I don't, I, it's just like, I don't want to service somebody else's story. Like once, when I wrote the book, I was like, oh my God, it was like a light went off. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm never going back to that again. But when you're a young kid growing up in Arizona and you want to tell stories and you know, there is no social media, you think you join the theater department and you follow that path. Mm. I also was dyslexic. So it's not like I ever thought I could write, (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah, no, but I don't know for me. No, I, I get such anxiety when I'm stuck on a set and I have to do it. And I'm like, Oh no, when can I go home? What do you mean? I'm not up until like the end of the day. (laughs) And then I get starvation anxiety in the trailer. I'm like, every snack sucks here. Uh, You know, it's just like, I hate it. I hate it. I'm not, I don't, I don't love doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I end up getting pulled back in for things, I would say. And sometimes it's fun. And other times I'm just like, are we done yet? Mm -hmm. Didn't you get it? Wasn't that take it good enough? Let's move on. (laughs) Right. Okay. So not, so not the lifestyle for you. For me, no. Yeah. Um, so what is your, what are your social media habits? Cause I want to learn from you as someone with so, two young kids and just a, a out of control phone addiction. Yeah. Like for me, it really, I think about it. It's like, I am not, I, I, I am guilty of like getting sucked into that deep dive scroll when I really just don't have anything else to sort of focus on. Um, but I'm such a workaholic. So I think that oftentimes for me, what it, what it becomes about is like answering the, answering the requests and posting Mm -hmm. something new and, you know, uh, trying to like move the needle with my like bare hands, like trying desperately to sort of accomplish something, which also is an illusion because like, as we know, like, look at what happened to the vine stars, (laughs) It's like here today, gone tomorrow. Like, what am I investing in? I don't know. Um, But yeah, so I would like always in the beginning sort of justify it as I'm just working. I'm a workaholic. Of course, this is my work now. I make money doing this. I have to do it. Um, And now, especially like right now where I'm trying to sell a book, I mean, I'm, I'm on my phone 24 fucking seven all day long. Thank God my kids are at school and don't have to see it. But when the kids are around... I really try my hardest and I'm not saying that I am perfect at this. I, I I fuck up all the time to not engage with it. I really try my hardest. I mean, all bets were off during the pandemic. It was like they discovered who we really were (laughs) and that was a bummer. And now I'm just trying to like recoup from that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also you moved to New York and stayed there. And I'm so yes. jealous because I wish I lived in New York, even though my life you is You moved to LA, LA, right? From yeah. New York. Well, I'm from, I'm from LA originally. And then I lived in New York for um, another thing that I round up to 10, but really it was more like nine years. Uh, okay, and then got I came it. back. But I always, some, someday I hope to get back to New York because I really miss it. That's um, what you always said to me. I remember that. That yeah. you wanted to be back here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband, who's from Arizona, actually, he doesn't want to live in New York. I think if, if, and I, maybe I said this back then, he and I were not married then, but we were, we're already living together. Um, I think he feels like if, if the situation was right, if circumstances were right. And by that, he yeah. just means like, if we had like a shitload of money and could live yes. the way you want to live in New York, yes. then maybe, but otherwise he's not really like inclined. And I actually don't know how that would even go raising kids in New York. That's sort of daunting. Um, I think my fant my fantasy of New York is, um, the life I had, which and my life is totally different now. But yeah, I do miss right. it. Right, I know. I think about 
I mean, yeah, yeah, it definitely like I think about LA and I'm like, oh my God, like how would I raise kids there now? I don't even know. <laughs> the convenience here is amazing. I mean, everything, I live in a small village. I never have to get in a car. I, mm-hmm. They go, you know, maybe I'm like walking a few miles to their school or what have you, but I don't have to deal with like the stuff my sister does with the carpools and like yeah. the freeways and all that shit. So I love it for that. But let me tell you, I would fucking kill for a backyard. Yeah. <laughs> like that sounds amazing. Think about two boys in a city where every weekend you're like, oh, I got to take them outside. Like right. these are wild animals. We got to run them. So that where, is what do you do? Where do you go? Anywhere. I'm like the park, the mall. I, I don't even know. I run out of places to go. Sometimes mm. I'm just like, let's just wander. Let's just like walk around our block a bunch of times and maybe you'll get tired. Right. Do you own car seats? I do. Yeah. Yes. And I have a car. I have a car now. I didn't used to. Mm -hmm. Right. So tell me about Dictator Lunches. So Dictator Lunches started because I was be bored at night in my kitchen, just fucking around. uh, And I wanted to micromanage, I guess, <laughs> the food that my kids were eating or my son was eating at the time. I was like, I want to make him something really healthy and great. But it was me like sublimating my own guilt as a working mom. You know, I didn't, I wasn't the one picking him up after school. I wasn't the one taking him to school because I'm a workaholic. I'm always fucking working. And so, uh, this was my way of showing up for him. You know, I, I, I think that we're in a weird predicament, women of our generation, because while uh, most of us want to do things and be working women and, and, you know, rule the world and break all the glass ceilings, we're also children of moms who worked. So we were also latchkey kids. So we have this just our guilt is compounded. You're a mom and you're always guilty anyway, but you're doubly guilty because you were, you have the injuries of a kid whose mom who worked that mm-hmm. worked. So like, you're kind of fucked. Um, and that's why I started making the lunches. I'm like, I'm going to send him to school with a movable feast. I want it to be <laughs> everything that I didn't have. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just like a big believer in health and nutrition. And I don't think that I, America places and a value on nutrition in general. I mean, children who are on school funded lunches are getting a dollar 40 per meal per day. And that is like disgusting and like shameful, but there's no lobbyists in DC that are lobbying on behalf of kids besides lunch ladies. And they're up against these big, you know, chocolate milk lobbyists who right. are being paid by, by crazy dairy farm companies. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just a mess. Um, but you know, socioeconomics aside, I also think that the privileged moms I know, the women who are walking out of these $50 million townhouses are also like taking the path of least resistance because they don't want to have that fight. They're mm-hmm. like, I have too much other shit to worry about. I don't want to have my kid have a fucking meltdown. So take the fucking Lunchable and and go to school. Yeah. And I, while I get that, while it would be so easy for me to just be like, here's the whatever, I can't bring myself to do it because I think that like nutrition it's like, why am I spending all this money to like enrich your mind for you to play piano, for you to speak German, for you to go like do all these great things in, in the world. And yet like, I'm just going to feed you garbage. It makes no sense. Like I do not, I truly don't get it. And I also think that like the more we dumb down food for kids, the more dumb food they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. They're not like dogs that we're just going to like throw pellets at them and be like, <laughs> when you're older, you'll get a salad. When you're older, you'll have the Niswa. But right now here's like another nugget. It's like weird. <laughs> There's right. no other country in the world does that. Yeah. So you started designing these really visually interesting and nutritious meals on an Instagram account with very creative captions. And now it's a book going to be a book coming out in September, right? Yes. Yeah, so it comes out in September. It's called Dictator Lunches. And it was so fun to do because it was so collaborative. I mean, I am such a micromanager with like my novel. The editor will try to like move a word and I'm like, what did you do here? Something's different. Something's different. And, and like with the cookbook, I'm like, guys, can you help me? Like, can somebody teach me how to like write a recipe? I don't even know. Here's what I threw in it. Tell me how many tisps I need, you know? So it's a fully different beast. And there were so many literal cooks in my kitchen to do it. Um, but it's a fun, fun book and it is just so light and easy and, and such a departure from, uh, you know, the just the weight of this novel that 
I need to get like out into the world. But um, yeah, so that's going to be a fun one. And the pictures are so gorgeous. That's so cool. Um, well, we are we're lunchbox twins. I have the same lunchbox. That thing is very heavy. Oh my god, it's so heavy, right? Yeah. I know. And stuff like gets, gets all over the place. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a perfect lunchbox. No. Um <sighs> yeah, no. I have wondered, are they like on the the my kids preschool is all about that specific lunchbox and I'm like, they are they getting a kickback from Planet Box or whatever it is? Uh-huh. I don't think they are, but they just No, they make box. Planet Box makes no money. They're really like such a small company. They're such sweet people, yeah. but like it is such a still such a like sm- they're owned by Lifetime Brands, which is a bigger company, but they're still so mom and pop. Like they really are um the real deal, just like, I don't know, small. They're, yeah. they're still so small. Well, we're loyal to them. Both kids have those kind of lunchboxes. We have their little inserts. and I love it. And they care yeah. about the environment. I mean, like, I what more can you want? They're, that's a good company. Um, it is a good company. Do you happen to have a Just Me or Everyone? That's the segment we, we do where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder if it's Just Me or Everyone. And sometimes yes. I ask my guests. Sometimes I ponder on something or everyone okay yes what is yours so my just me is like is it just me or like it are ubers like is it scary that we're we just get in the car with anybody we don't actually know these people like they haven't been vetted we don't know how they drive at all, but we're just like, you seem fine. I mean, like they have, haven't they just like signed up for the app? Like who knows who you're actually in a car with? That freaks me out. And sometimes now in New York, especially, and maybe in LA, I don't know, but like parents will let their kids get in an Uber by themselves. That is fucking scary. That scares me so much. I can't, per- I couldn't, I don't think I could do that. I don't want to be in an Uber by myself. So is that just me or is that everybody? <laughs> well, it's definitely not everyone, given how many people take Ubers and Lyfts all the time. I don't think it's just you who thinks this, though, because it's definitely occurred to me. That like, do you ever said, get on the phone when you're in an Uber and like let them know that you're talking to a friend so that they can't like try to kidnap you? Yes, I have done that. And also, do, now, speaking of social media, do you ever look at TikTok? Are you on TikTok? No. Oh, my God. It, that's a really addictive one. I, I stayed off oh. of it for years because I was like, I don't under, I don't enjoy looking at Instagram reels. I don't see why I would yeah. enjoy this app. And now that I'm yes. on it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's very fun. Um, I don't make them, but I do yes. enjoy looking at it. But anyway, there are a lot of TikToks that people will make where it's like, save this. And when you're if you're uncomfortable in an Uber or a Lyft, play it. And it'll be someone who's like, hey, how's it going? you know, how much longer? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come to the door when you're, and it's like the, the other wow. side of a conversation. Amazing. So that it sounds like it's like your boyfriend who's gonna, you know, waiting for you when you show up. It's really so cool. Smart. Yeah. Smart, smart. Um, although my thing is like, I wouldn't know, even know how to save this and play it in an Uber if I wanted to. Mine would be like a loop and he'd be like clearly ma'am you have a recording and you think i'm gonna kill you and i'm offended i have a five-star rating (laughs) um but i do think that all the time though i think like this what is the vetting this does feel like but i also think that about i have had that thought about taxis even though i know that there is more of like a vetting with that but it does feel like it all hope this goes well yeah hope this goes well right yes uh, when I lived in New York, that that was before those apps. Now I feel like it would be so much easier to find a ride because that oh, thing where is, you're like God. trying to find a taxi, but it's that turnover oh, hour. Oh, I hate that. That people that claim doesn't used exist. To happen to me. Yeah, yeah, it always used to happen, but it does. Um, and yes. then all. Oh no, go ahead. No, yes, I remember that. And yeah. it'd be raining, and I'm like, fuck this. Right. And then also, do you have a hey, go fuck yourself, where we tell someone to go fuck themselves? I feel like that right now. I mean, about certain women who you know it's like i am such a like giving you the blurb i'm so glad that you said that i gave you the blurb i i i didn't remember i forgot that i had done that i forgot it was so I, nice I, I, of you but like that i'm so happy you reminded me of that because that is like a perfect tie-in to this go fuck yourself because i feel like so many times like women don't think that there's enough room 
for everybody. And they like kind of like will ask you for favors and you show up for them for years. But then like when you turn around and have something and like they see you struggling in the water and they don't lift a finger to fucking help you or support you or be like, you know, I I give you that like sort of plug. I find that so despicable. Um, And of course, you know, and, and as you know, because you've had a book come out, you see who your true friends are. You get to see like who shows up for you and who doesn't. And it's always, it's very enlightening, but Hey, go fuck yourself to the people that don't because like they're dead to me now. And also, (laughs) also, Hey, thank you so much for having me on your podcast because you know that this makes all the difference in the world. So thank you for having me back. Oh, you are so welcome. So, Hey, women who don't show up for other women. Hey, Hey, Fuck yourself. Wonderful. Jenny, it was so nice so having you good back to talk to you on the show. Tell everyone uh, where they can get your book, where they can find you, plug all your stuff. Okay, so I have a podcast called Third Wheel with Jenny Mullen on Podcast One, uh, where I pry into the lives of couples. And then uh, the book comes out on Tuesday, City of Likes. Hopefully you can find it everywhere. Uh, my Instagram handle is just Jenny Mullen, J-E-N-N-Y-M-O-L-L-E-N, and Dictator Lunches is how it sounds, Dictator Lunches. And my kids are the dictators. Her- I'm just living in their autocratic world. <laughs> Perfect. And if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a nice comment wherever you listen, um, Apple Podcasts or what have you. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Listen to my other podcast, Childish. That's my parenting-ish podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons and Upworthy Weekly. That is my lighthearted news podcast. Comes out on Saturdays. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, rewards, etc. cetera. I love where you can text me and I'll text you back. If you sign up for a year, you get two months free or you could do it month by month. And and what am I forgetting? I don't know. Uh, AllisonRosen.com for everything else. Thank you again, Jenny. It was so nice catching up with you listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. <laughs>